Please, it's 7 o'clock at night. That's right, 1900 hours, and you're listening to the Polo Sargero Show, where the heat is on and we educate our community through interviews with professionals. Alrighty, folks, welcome back for another episode of the Polo Sargero Show. We will be here until 9 o'clock today. Uh, for the first half of the show, we have uh, in studio the chairperson of the Atterborough Historical Commission, Marion Wrightington. And then for the second half, we will have uh, Dave Sawyer, who is the Atterborough uh, su- Superintendent of Schools. Uh, so for the first half, we'll talk about uh, kind of the commission, Atterborough history in general, some of the projects the commission's working on, how people can get involved. The second half, uh, with Dave Sawyer, we'll talk about school safety, uh, the new high school, and uh, career tech programs uh, within our uh, school as well. But for first, I'd like to thank uh, Ms. Reddington. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, so basically our show is to kind of educate and inform our community uh, through interviews. And so I thought the Admiral Historical Commission is a great organization. There's a lot of history. Every time there's an event... Or I even just talk to you in general. I learned something new about Attleboro history. Um, so some of our listeners may or may not know uh, you. So for those that don't, could you give us a little bit of uh, background on who you are, what you do, and kind of maybe how you got involved in uh, in Attleboro? Sure. I actually grew up in Mansfield, and nobody you know realizes that usually because they think I am so deep into Attleboro history that I must have been born here. Well, I was born <laughs> at Sturdy, but I, I lived in Mansfield, and I graduated from Mansfield High School, and then I got married very, very young, and so we moved to an apartment in Attleboro, and that's uh, my beginning of my Attleboro life. Um, I had two children, and uh, we didn't really have anything when we got married. We were very young, like I said, and we started looking in our uh, relatives' attics and cellars and bonds and stuff. My family came from a long line of New Englanders. And so we started looking there in those uh, places for furniture to refinish because we couldn't afford much. And so we started refinishing all this furniture, and we only had a two-room apartment at the time. And uh, then after we had a baby, we realized we needed some more space, and so we looked for a bigger apartment, and it happened to be one in a very old house in Attleboro. And so we moved our things in that we had refinished just out of necessity to use, and it really all clicked, and that's what got me into this in the very beginning. Um, it's uh, uh, one of the oldest houses in Attleboro, and so I really wanted to research it and find out about it. And so then I, I joined the um, Historical Commission, and I joined the DAR, Daughters of the American Revolution, and I spent a lot of time at the library and everything doing a lot of research on the house, and, and that's how I got into the history. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, like I, uh, like my background, knowing you, was from uh, school. You were the art lunch yep. lady, and yep. then... Uh, and once you got older and learned, you were more involved in, in, in the city. So awesome. Um, so I loved being a lunch lady. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got that job when I was first, um, after my kids got into school. It's a wonderful job for a mother because you're home in the morning and you're yeah. home in the afternoon and uh, for the kids. And um, I, I really enjoyed it. And I did Willet for 12 years. And then after my kids had gone to college, I thought, well, maybe I should be doing a a little bit more of a job here. So I went to work at Balfour, and I oh, worked yeah. at Balfour for six years, and then Balfour closed. So I thought, well, I really liked being a lunch lady. Yeah. So I uh, called the school department, and they said, oh, we've got an, an opening at the high school. And I'm like, oh, yikes, the high school. You know, I had my <laughs> little Willet babies, and, you know, it was just kind of different. So anyway, I said, okay, and, and I went, and I was there for 18 years. 
and um, it was just wonderful seeing the kids come in as freshmen and not knowing where they were going or what they were doing and then when they'd leave as seniors going off to a full ride to Columbia or you know yeah, wherever yeah, yeah. so many success stories come out of Attleboro High School good stuff so from uh, just like you it, yeah and it was uh, it's interesting because I kind of always thought you were from Attleboro too I would have yeah. never thought yeah. you were from um, Mansfield yeah uh, but cool so um, so we did the background and then I figured we kind of wanted to stick with the guide that we're uh, doing so uh, we we're talking about like just Attleboro history so if you could uh, or did you want to talk about the commission first and then go into no, we can go uh, into history. Okay, yep. so so let's. Uh, Attleboro has quite a bit of history to it. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about the city of Attleboro and maybe how we got to? Well, we started as a town. Yep. Yep. So, 1694. So we are pretty early. Uh, we were incorporated, and uh, if if I was to give you the history of Attleboro in a nutshell, I would say, well, first we were a farming community. Everybody lived on a farm. They all sustained themselves. If, if one guy had pigs and the other guy had eggs, they might swap things back and forth, you know, yep. the type of bartering system that everybody did to sustain themselves. And then the next thing that Attleboro became was a textile town. We had um, Hebronville and Dodgeville textile mills, and they were um, really complete mill villages. They had their own school, their own church, their own post office, that type of thing. And everybody worked in the uh, mills here. And... and uh, we became known as, uh, like I said, Hebronville and Dodgeville. Fruit of the Loom was made there. Wow, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. A lot of people don't know that. It was probably made other places too, but yeah, it was yeah, made yeah. there too. And and then uh, be, by the time the textiles went out, the jewelry in Attleboro was really getting going. Uh, that that had started early too, but we became a jewelry city after that. And I do have a little story about that, actually. Um, I love to collect Attleboro jewelry. Yeah. And one day I was at a... Uh, antique show down the Cape, and I approached a table where a lady had all antique jewelry on it. And I went over and looked at it, and I said to her, oh, do you think you've got anything made in Attleboro? And she looked at me and just stared at me and said, probably all of it. <laughs> and I awesome. always thought that was a cute, cute thing, because I was, you know, really thrown back when she said it, but it's true. You know, I mean, so much stuff was made here in Attleboro for the jewelry industry. Oh, yeah. It was, we had, um, uh, a friend of mine, who uh, Fred Yuria, who was part of uh, Fluco Hub and Die, he had a Hub and Die shop right here across the street in the Foster Building. Mm-hmm. And uh, he walks around, looks at all the, like different police badges, and he's like, "Yeah, I made that. I made that. I made that." Cause yeah. There was so many, there was so much work back then for for what he was doing and um, and whatnot. But yeah, when you say so much work, a lot of those factories ran twenty four seven. Oh yeah, yeah, and and. Um, and that's why so many people came to Attleboro for the work that was here available. And that's why we have so many uh, 1890 and 1900 tenement houses and all the little Queen Anne cottages. Sometimes the factories would, would build the little houses for the uh, people to live in while they worked for them. And then we also have so many Victorian mansions because the industrialists who owned the factories wanted to show off all their success, and they built these beautiful mansions that we have here in Attleboro. Interesting. Already, folks, we're in studio with uh, Marion uh, Reddington, who is the uh, the chair on the Attleboro Historical Commission. We're going to talk about, we talked briefly about her experience and talked briefly uh, the Attleboro history, but we're still going to get into more of the commission, the projects they do, and then... Um, and then for the second half, we'll have uh, Mr. Uh, David Sawyer on, who is the Attleboro School Superintendent. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be uh, right back after these messages. So stick around.
On Tuesday, December 11th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at an unlikely story in Plainville, Jackie McMullen will discuss her new book, Basketball, A Love Story. Many notable living NBA players were interviewed for the book, from Kobe and LeBron to Shaq and Barkley, from Magic and Bird to Bill Russell and Jerry West. The list of coaches in the book includes NBA coaches Phil Jackson and Pat Riley to college greats such as Coach K. The interviews are packed with never-before-heard stories, and you can hear them in person from Jackie herself. The event will be followed by a book signing. You sit down at your table. You get your card. 25 squares hold the key. Which one will it be? I-25, O-72, or Lucky B-13? Which one will be the square that makes you jump up and shout, Bingo! The Attleboro Elks Lodge, 1014, hosts Bingo each Sunday at 887 South Main Street. Open to the public, the kitchen opens at 5 p.m. with a variety of food available. Bingo starts at 6 p.m. Prizes are awarded and proceeds support Elks Charities. For further details, you can visit attleboroelks.org or you can call 508-222-5502. Remember, Elks Care, Elks Share. Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no, what are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Recently, the Council on Aging hosted an informative forum for the public by Fire Chief Scott Lachance and other experts on how to be safe and prepared. This week on AACS, catch Fire Safety Tips, a presentation where the community got to learn what to do in a fire emergency. You can watch this program and all of our quality programs from around the area in high definition on the AACS mobile app. Alrighty, folks, welcome back. This is Paul Sargero's show. We'll be here until uh, 9 o'clock. In studio right now, we have Marianne uh, uh, Reddington, who is the uh, chairperson for the Adboro Historical Commission. And for the second half of the show, from uh, 8 to 9 o'clock, we will have uh, Mr. David Sawyer on to talk about uh, school safety with the Adboro District. Uh, we will talk about uh, the career tech programs and kind of the, talk a little bit about uh, the new high school. But for right now, we kind of gave uh, background on yourself. We did... Um, uh, Attleboro history kind of in a nutshell, which I think is the best. Uh, so we t- let's go on to the, the Attleboro uh, Historical Commission. Could you talk a little bit about what the commission is and kind of what its mission is in, okay. in the city? Um, the commission was started in 1968 when Tom Piggott was uh, mayor of Attleboro. Uh, Betty Phillips, a lot of people might remember Betty Phillips. She was a lady in Attleboro that was very into the history, and she convinced Mayor Piggott that we should have a commission here. So they started it, and um, the main objective of the uh, commission or the mission is to just preserve all of Attleboro's historical assets, whether it be a glacial rock, a house, a building, a landscape, or whatever, and uh, to identify all of the things that we feel are historical and um, worthy of preservation and to document them all. 
Absolutely. And there's different ways of doing that. One one of the ways of doing it is uh, one of the things that we did a while back was uh, to try and get a demolition delay ordinance on the books. Um, a demolition delay ordinance is something that the Massachusetts Historical Commission feels that uh, local commissions should have as a tool to help them preserve their their uh, historic sites in, in their towns. Um, in Attleboro, we tried through the city council to get it, and we worked for it for about three years. We couldn't convince them that we want we're, we should have it. And some towns get them for um, six months, a year, you know, a year and a half or whatever. Well, they finally gave us one for 30 days. And so we took it because that's what we could get, and we got it on the books at least, and we figured, well, maybe in the future we could go back and try to get it lengthened because 30 days, you know, when you have a, a – city meeting lots of times the rules say that you have to wait so long after a meeting before you can do the next step mm -hmm. and 30 days isn't long enough to get anything done if you have to do it that way so um after the uh tappan house came down we fought mm -hmm. to save the tappan house which was a beautiful three stories 27 room mansion um built in 1901 uh we lost it and and uh so we went back to the city council and tried to get the demolition delay ordinance extended and they gave us 90 days so that's a lot better so it gives us a little time and and how we do that is um the building inspection office when they get a uh application for uh demolition they call me or mail it to me and i uh look it up to see if it's one of our historical sites but one of our former uh, projects that we had was to have the whole uh what do you call it the inventory of the city done. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got a grant for $10,000 to hire some historic preservation consultants that stayed here. That I think they were here almost a year, coming every day to go around and research all of the houses that they felt were either historically significant or architecturally significant. And at the end of the year, they gave us a file of 603 properties. Wow. And so, and it, they weren't just properties. They were things like monuments even, mm -hmm. or like I said, a piece of glacial rock or, or whatever, but most of them are houses. Um, so that, that if, if the property that's being applied for demolition is on that list, that's what we go by. We use that as our basis. And then we uh, try to convince the person who's applying to demo uh, to change their mind. <laughs> you know, we, we hit them with all the history and all of that and uh, try to soften them up and see if they'll relent but um if it doesn't if that doesn't work then we at least um ask them if the, if we could try and find somebody who would move the house yeah and we try to do that and then we also contact different people who uh go in and take things out of the houses any kind of artifacts that could be used in other historic preservation projects sure we feel it's like a kind of like an organ transplant it can live on somewhere else if we're not going to be able to keep it living here and uh, and then the final step is to they they allow us to go in and take pictures so that we can have photographs in our files of what it did look like. But in the end, they're still allowed to demolish it. It's just that we have time to try all those things. Sure. Has has there been um, a lot of uh, buildings or that have been demolished throughout the years, or do we still have a good amount of? Uh we still have quite a few, but there are quite a few that have gone too. Yeah. Like I, I mentioned, the Tappan House that was one of our most beautiful, mm -hmm. and and we lost it. But um, anyway, so another project that we had was uh, we've had a couple of different history books produced. Uh, Mr. Studley wrote one. Uh, he was the superintendent of schools for many years, and a man named Paul Tedesco did another one that picked up where John Daggett's book left off. Uh, John Daggett really did the early history of the 
town, and then um, it only went as far as 1894. And so Mr. Tasco picked it up from 1894 and published it in 1978. So that was another project we did. Um, we've placed historic site signs at a lot of our historic sites around Attleboro, and that little site guide that I gave you, yep. is um, it goes parallel to all of the site signs in Attleboro and explains what they are. And those little site guides are available at the library, um, Sometimes they're at City Hall. Sometimes they run out and they don't let me know, so I can't refurbish them. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> if anybody ever had any questions, they can feel free to call me or if they wanted a site guide or whatever. Um, one of the very important things that we did was we started the Attleboro Historic Preservation Society, and that was in 1999. And the reason that we did that was because the academy, which is that little building with the columns behind the Y yep. on Sanford Street, um, that was a school that was built in the 18, around 1840 by 12 men who felt that we needed a higher level of education here in Attleboro. Right then at that time, we only had the district schoolhouses that kind of taught everybody of all ages. And it wasn't, um, I guess you might say, as classy as these 12 men thought we should have. They wanted things taught like Latin and, and uh, yeah. better classical things. And so they, they all got together and built that academy, and it was a private school for a while. So um, the, uh, there was a danger of it coming down. And so we decided that the Historical Commission is only allowed to have seven, minute, uh, seven members and then seven alternate members. And uh, the seven regular members are appointed by the mayor. And we um, thought at that time when we were trying to fight to save the academy that we needed more people. So we thought, well, if we have a historic preservation society, then we'll have all the more people in backing up for us. So we started that, and it's been very successful. Um, the academy's still standing, obviously. It's not done yet or anything. We're still looking for any help we can get from uh, different ways. It needed some structural uh, needs, and, and so they're getting fixed. But um, it's been a long, long haul. But um, another thing we did was... Um, one of the things that I'm very proud of was, uh, do you remember Larry Fitton? I know the name, and I've seen uh, he was the uh, town crier. And stuff like that. Yes, yep. he was the town crier. Well, um, Ted Sharon, T. A. Sharon, he's an artist from Attleboro. He had done this beautiful portrait that's practically life size of, of oh, uh, wow. Larry Fitton in his costume, his town crier costume, ringing his bell, and so um, Mr. Sharon had approached me and said, if you can find the uniform and get it to be put on displayed, I will donate the painting to the city. Oh, wow. So that's all you have to say to me, and I got on. <laughs> and and uh, I, I worked for quite a while, but I got the, the uniform. They even gave me the bell, and uh, wow. so it, it was really good. But um, So then what are we going to do with them? So at that time, the post office, the old post office, had been made into the Registry of Deeds. And so uh, Mayor... Dumas, who was mayor at the time, said that he would dedicate the wall at the end of the post office inside the lobby as the Larry Fitton wall. So I went to Attleboro High School, good old AHS, and, and to the carpentry department, and they made me um, two shadow box type frames for the uniform to go in. And then in the other one, there's um, a lot of his speeches and photos and newspaper clippings and things like that about Larry and the the um, Ted Sharon portrait hangs above the whole thing and it's really uh, nice it's nice if anybody remembers Larry they should go in the post office and see it because it's uh, very impressive I think yeah that definitely sounds remarkable yep, <laughs> yep. so those were some of the past, past projects and um, 
currently, we're working on restoring the old wellhead number one uh, down at the water department, down on 123 by Owers Pond. Yep. You know, those funny-looking little... Yes, they yeah, look like yeah. buildings that are sunk in the in the swamp or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Well, those are the um, the early wellheads, oh, and okay. um, uh, one of them, the wooden one, was really starting to rot and decay and everything. And so a lot of people thought that we should try and save it. So uh, we actually um, got the uh, materials to do it, and now we've had volunteers doing it, and it's been wonderful that these volunteers are spending as many hours as they are. They really have done a great job, and they've reshingled the whole thing and put new plywood on wow. the roof and, and um, that type of thing, so that will be saved, so that's good. That's definitely great to see, uh, like you said, the volunteers out there and and seeing <coughs> the uh, history being preserved in Attleboro. Mm -hmm. So already, folks, we're in studio at Marion uh, Reddington, who is the uh, chairperson for the Attleboro Historical Commission. Uh, we're talking about what we talked about, uh, the Attleboro history, uh, historical commission, its overview, kind of its mission in, uh, in Attleboro. Talked about some past projects, current projects, and we're still going to go into a little bit more detail, uh, uh, different topics as well throughout the, the evening. And then for the second half of the show, we will be talking with David Sawyer, who is the Attleboro uh, Superintendent of Schools, and we will be, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, talk more about Attleboro history and uh, some, of, some of the other topics we have here. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. <coughs> On January 10th at 4.30 p.m. at the Attleboro Library, Gabriela Vieira of Webster Bank will present a workshop titled Preventing Elder Financial Abuse. The incidence of financial exploitation of elders and vulnerable adults is growing nationally. Fraudulent telemarketing schemes and scam artists increasingly target elders, resulting in significant financial losses. This workshop will provide an overview of the signs and symptoms of financial exploitation and fraud, and strategies for protecting assets. If you are interested in attending, you can call the Attleboro Council on Aging at 774-203-1900. Does your back hurt after a long night's sleep? Has your mattress seen better days? Is your current bedroom furniture a mixture of different furniture sets? The Bedding Center, located on Pleasant Street and proud sponsor of this radio station and high school sports, offers a wide array of mattresses along with beds, bedroom furniture, and odd-sized mattresses and box springs. You can reach them online at bedding-center.com or by phone at 508 226-8090. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi. I'd like to report a bear hug. Uh, okay. Well, before I left my campsite, I was putting out my fire, and out of nowhere, Smokey Bear showed up and hugged me? So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He likes it when people correctly put out their campfires. He's pretty big on wildfire prevention. He's just letting you know you did good with a uh, hug. He's a hugger. I just got a bear hug from Smokey Bear. <laughs> Status update! All right, I'm going to let you go now. I've got uh, a lot of uh, ranger stuff to do. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part. At SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. 
Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Paul Girl Show. We will be here until 9 o'clock today. Uh, in studio right now, we have Marion uh, Reddington, who is the chair on the Atterborough Historical Commission. And then for the second half of the show, we will be talking to uh, Mr. David Sawyer, who is the Atterborough uh, School Superintendent. We'll be talking about uh, school safety, uh, the new uh, the new high school, and also uh, the career tech programs that the new school is offering, and kind of how the new school will look differently and how uh, there's parts of, uh, like, for instance, like the B show will have a different entrance and whatnot. So we'll talk a little bit about kind of the format of the new school. But currently, we're talking about uh, some of the past projects and current projects uh, that the historical commission is working on, and uh, we there's still some current ones going on. What other projects does the commission have going on? Or well, funny you should ask today because today I was down at the Hill Roberts Elementary School um, last year, oh, about a year and a half ago. Now we found out that there had been a gallery dedicated in Evelyn Silva's honor. She was the principal of uh, Hill Roberts School when it first opened for 10 years. Oh, okay. And so when she retired, they put this gallery up in, in honor of her. And so I guess it had been used in the very beginning, but that was a long time ago now, and it had kind of just kind of fizzled, and nobody was doing anything about it. So the commission decided to bring it back to life, and so we started getting different artists to... Um, show their talent to prove to the kids in the elementary school that you can be an artist and be from Attleboro. Yeah. So there are artists among among us is the name of the project. And so um, I started because I I do paint, and and so I had paintings. And so I figured, well, we'll test this out with my stuff in case anything gets hurt, (laughs) then it'll only be mine. But um, so um, it's six panels that are four feet by four feet square um, in the wall between the cafeteria and the art room. And uh, we've had different artists do it now. We've had Carol Nicholson, Catherine Honey, Dave LaFerrier, um, Missy Riley did Barbara Corrigan's work, um, me, Right now, uh, last last month we had Trish Ferrara, and this today we have Lavania uh, Pollock. I, I can't say her last name. It's something. <laughs> Kotopollock, I think, something like that. But anyway, um, but um, it's very interesting for the kids to see and to know that all of these people are from Attleboro, and um, so it's it's really been a good project, and it um, spruces up that area in the school. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and let me see another project that we've just been working on lately, and it's not done yet. But it, each one of these projects takes so long; it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, we started. Uh, we lost the Balfour smokestack, and then we lost the Swank smokestack, and other ones in between. And some people started saying to me, "We're losing all our smokestacks." Well, you know, who'd have thought somebody cared about the smokestacks? But they are very representative of all the industries that we had here in Attleboro. And so um, Rustoleum, who is in the um, factory that used to be the Wolfenden Dye Works, the Wolfenden Dye Works was uh, when we were a textile town. Mm-hmm. Um, they dyed so much uh, textiles every day; it was crazy, and uh, it was the li- it became the largest dye works in the world. There's so many stories that are um, 
like the American dream stories. Yeah. Mr. Wolfenden came to America in 1868 after he had worked in England, working up from an apprentice to being superintendent of a dye works there. And so he came to America and started um, in Providence, and then he moved to Attleboro and started his own factory. His two sons came in with him, and they're responsible for some of the beautiful Victorian mansions that I was talking about on mm-hmm. County Street. There's three of them right on County Street. And... Uh, Olive Street and Mary Street are named for the Wolfendens, and it became the largest dye works in the world. We have a lot of we're the one in the world things, but um, that's one of them. So um, anyway, when they wanted to tear it down at Rust-Oleum, we had a lot of meetings with them, and it definitely had to come down. And so they said they would pay for a replica to be built. So we're going to have a little replica built to honor the... um, industry in Attleboro. And I know some people think that, well, our industry is what polluted the whole city. And it did, but of course, when that was happening, they didn't realize that was happening. It wasn't anything they set out to do, but it was still the history of Attleboro that this jewelry has made it what it was and is. So, um, you know, even though a side effect was all of the contamination, you have to take the bad with the good, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, um, Another project we're working on in the future, even though we've been working on this one for a long time, is the railroad switch tower. Yep. That little building, if you're on Pleasant Street by the Common, you look up and you see that little dilapidated building. That was one of um, six switch towers that Amtrak wanted to demolish after 9-11. They felt that um, it was just open for vandalism, you know, a a place for, and it was too so close to the tracks and everything. So we've been trying to get that um, moved and restored for years now and we're still working on that so we will be continuing to work on that um another thing that we do is um the historic preservation awards every year we've been doing that for 18 years um in may may is national historic preservation month and we ask um for nominations of a person place or project that has done something to preserve Attleboro's history and then we give them a truly insignificant little token of our esteem (laughs) but um at least we hope that it helps preserve things and maybe would um, involve other people to do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, Before we had uh, Mr. Lagon from the Adderborn Dutch Museum, and I was mentioning to him when I was I went to school in D.C. <coughs> for a little bit, and uh, so I used to go to all the Smithsonian's because they were mm-hmm. for free. And I, said, I mentioned to him, <coughs> when, I, when I first went there, I went to the, the American History one, I was reading, and it's like, Pawtucket Mills, and I'm like, wait a minute, Pawtucket, like, at first, I was young, so I didn't really put it all together, I'm like, mm. I'm thinking, oh, maybe there's another Pawtucket somewhere in the uh, mm-hmm. the U.S., and then I'm reading, I'm like, no, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, Mills, and sure enough, you see Attleboro in there, because mm-hmm. they still had some jewelry um, exhibits down there, so it was, I, just, I told him, like, that was my moment, like, opened my eyes, like, how much really history is oh, still yeah. here in, in, this, in the city. We even had the largest diner in the world. Oh, really? Yeah, Whiteman's Diner down on Route 1. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Whiteman's Diner, yep. Largest diner in the world. Wow, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the water tank that used to be up on uh, Ides Hill was the tallest standpipe in the world. Wow. Yep. Interesting. Well, yep. see, I'm telling you. And uh, Dye Works was uh, the largest dye works in yeah, the world. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, yeah. learn everything, I learn something new every time uh, <clears throat> yep. we have a conversation. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to, to ask as we move forward with this is something that, one, I wasn't too familiar with, so I kind of wanted to learn more for myself and also for our listeners. Uh, the house tours uh, that <clears throat> go on in Attleboro, mm-hmm. could you explain a little bit like uh, what the house tours are and kind of how 
uh, how it all starts and kind of how, when it happens and whatnot. Okay. Well, the house the house tour is actually a historic preservation society project, but I'm a member of that too because we're the ones that started the mm-hmm. society, and it hap- it it. I'm not sure if we're having one this year or not, but we've had it for about I think it's 15 years at least or something like that. Um, and what it is is it's the major fundraiser for the historic preservation society with the commission. You, you get appointed by the mayor and you become a member. And yeah. there's only seven members and seven alternates. But with the society, it's like a club that uh, everybody has a common interest of. They're all interested in history. Gotcha. And they pay their dues and they belong. Um, you don't even have to belong to come to most of their meetings. Most of their meetings are open to the public. And you learn all about Attleboro history because all of their programs are related to Attleboro history. Actually, there's one coming up um, tomorrow night. It's at the Industrial Museum, which is where they hold most of their meetings, unless it's an on-site one. Like um, every year, one of their meetings is a um, church or some kind of uh, house of worship type of thing. And so we go to one of those every year, and we do that on-site, and we hear the whole history of how that particular religion or whatever it was came to Attleboro. And they're they're very informative. then uh, they have other programs, but the one tomorrow night is going to be on the academy that we were talking about earlier yep. and, and what's been done so far and what they hope to have done. So um, the his, the society is the one that runs the house tours, and they have these house tours to raise money to keep themselves going and have these programs and everything. And um, there usually was about five or six houses, and you buy a ticket and you um, go on your own pace around to these five or six houses you get a little map and a little brochure with the history of the houses and the homeowners are so uh nice to allow us to do this and um they let you go in and see their house and they tell you the history of it and um they they do it like i said we've done it every year for about 15 years probably absolutely and do do some of these um because i'm interested too like the homeowners that live in these kind of historical houses do they typically know a lot about the history or there's some owners are just like they, they don't know too much about the house, or they just like. I'd live say there. there's all kinds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's those that are really into it, and there's yeah. those that just live there. But um, I absolutely love mine. mine. Mine is, is you know, other than my kids, I have two kids that are very, very nice people. <laughs> and I have a wonderful husband who has uh, two nice kids also. So we've got eight grandchildren, and we've got a fourth great, great, great. Wait a minute. Our first fourth great grandbaby on the way. Wow. So anyway, but um, I've lived in my house for 52 years. And it's one of the oldest houses in Attleboro. It um, was the first house in Attleboro to go on the National Register of Historic Places. And it was a Capron house. And um, I had a hard time in the beginning proving it was a Capron house. But that's how, how I got so interested in history through all the yeah. research on my house. I think I mentioned that already. Um, for for some of our listeners, what's uh, kind of the significance of a house being a, a Capron house? Kind of like what's that uh, uh, signify if a house is a Capron house? What does that really uh, m- mean, rather? Well, when I was trying to find, when I first bought my house, um, some people told me it was a Capron house, and some other people said, oh, no, the Capron house got torn down. It was next door mm-hmm. to that house. So I wanted to prove that it was a Capron house. So we, I did everything, all kinds of research and talking to people and old-timers and everything, trying to find out. Um, Banfield Capron was one of the first Capron, was the first Capron that came to America, and that was back in the 1660s. And um, it's from him that all the Caprons in America have descended, and... Uh, 
that's it was his family that gave the land for Capron Park. And so um, it just means a lot to Attleboro history that, you know, all these Caprons. I, every year I have a family of Caprons come to my house to see it. From I had some from Minnesota one year. This year I had them from California. Wow. I've had them from Texas. I've had them from Arizona. Um, I had another bunch from California. And, and they just want to see the, the homestead of where their, their ancestors came yeah. from. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think, and the Caprons have a huge... Um, organization it's called um well it's the capron family of america group and i've actually been adopted into it they <laughs> gave me a certificate that says i'm a i'm a member of the capron wow. family yeah 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 so that's kind of fun but um they uh I just wanted it to be a Capron house. And we finally found something that proved it was the Capron house so I was thrilled when that happened. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um is, is, are there many Capron houses in Atterboro still? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Banfield had 12 kids. Oh, gotcha. And so that made for an awful lot of Caprons. <laughs> and um, they're, they're just all over the place. You know, this I, I was at a church fair last weekend and uh, at Second Congo, and carved right into the mantle was in memory of Melinda and Mary Capron, or I don't forget, I forget what the two first names were, but you know there's, it's there's Caprons everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right, folks, we're in studio with Mary uh, Marion uh, uh, Writington, who is the chairperson on the Attleboro Historical Commission. Uh, we're talking about kind of Attleboro history, the commission in general, some of their projects. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, from eight o'clock to nine o'clock later on for the second half, we will be talking with uh, Mr. David Sawyer, who is the Attleboro School Superintendent. We'll talk about school safety, uh, the CTE program and then uh, the new high school that's going to be uh, being built. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these messages. So stick around. Nesson broadcaster Dale Arnold and CBS Boston journalist Matt Kalman will introduce their new book, If These Walls Could Talk, Boston Bruins, on Friday, November 30th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at an unlikely story in Plainville. This book provides fans with a -a one-of-a-kind insider's look into the Boston Bruins. It highlights the great moments, the lowlights, and everything in between. The presentation and reading will be followed by a Q&A session and book signing. Mental health, just like physical health, is an important part of every person's overall well-being. Learn about the many issues surrounding mental health by listening to our new show, Exploring Mental Illness, everything you wanted to know but were too afraid to ask, on Mondays at 6 p.m. on WARA 1320 AM. You can also listen for free by subscribing to the Exploring Mental Illness podcast on the iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn platforms. Find out more information by going to WARARadio.com and clicking on podcasts. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. You know, five. I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you 
can prevent wildfires. Alrighty, folks, we're back in studio. The Paul Sagaro Show will be here until 9 o'clock. Uh, so briefly before the break, we, we kind of were talking about the house tours, the uh, uh, historical society. Um, but a uh, question that uh, I thought was interesting to ask is kind of what is your favorite uh, piece of Attleboro history? Mr. Well, I've been talking <laughs> talking about my house, and my house is my favorite piece of Attleboro history. I eat it and sleep it every day. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's, there's just always things to do on the house, and um, my husband loves to work out in the yard, and he always keeps the yard going. And, and um, somebody made a joke last week. They said to me, I rode by your house the other day with my wife in the car, and I said to her, what does it mean when there's a leaf in the yard at the Wrightington house? And you know what the answer is? What's that? They're not home. <laughs> because my husband keeps the yard raked all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's really a good guy. <laughs> but, um, no, my favorite piece would definitely be, because I've I done the whole genealogy of the Capron family, trying to track the house through the through the uh, descending of the ownership and everything. And, and um, it's uh, it's just very interesting, and, and I love it. And uh, I love to show it to people and share it. Yeah, absolutely. There's one thing... Uh, that always always amazes me in in, uh, in history is how long some of these you know when we go to the museum you you learn how old some of those machines are mm-hmm. and they can still operate but it's the same thing with some of these houses the houses mm-hmm. how old they are and they're still mm-hmm. standing and they have stood mm-hmm. for for so many years that's mm-hmm. one thing that it, it just amazes me to kind of look back and think about you mm-hmm. know. Mass Historical decided that my house was at least 1740, but they said wow. it could be earlier. And wow. because it has two bake ovens, it has six fireplaces and two bake ovens. And when um, I did that genealogy of the family, I saw that Banfield got married for the third time in 1735, and his son got married for the second time in 1735. And the house was supposed to have been built by his son. So I think maybe they decided to build a new house for the new brides. Yeah. And, the, and the second fi- uh, bake oven was like an in-law apartment for Banfield because he was in his 70s then. Yeah, interesting. Yep. Um, all right, so uh, so this, the Attleboro Historical Commission, how can uh, how can someone get involved in uh, the commission and then also the his- historical uh, society? Well, right now we don't have any vacancies on the commission. We're full up, which is great, and it doesn't always happen that way, so we're very happy to have that happening. Um, something else I, I, I forgot to mention, too, was that when I was talking about the switch tower, mm-hmm. we just got it designated as one of the 10 most endangered historic sites in Massachusetts. Preservation Massachusetts has this little um, program every year where you can nominate a, pro- a site, and and uh, the switch tower did win that designation this year. So that will help us uh, to get grants if they gotcha. see that we got that designation. But anyway, you can get... Um, You can always join the Historic Preservation Society, and like I said, they do things to help us, and we help them. And uh, you can come to their meetings and support them. And another thing you could do is I did mention the Historic Preservation Awards that we do every year. We do them in May, and the deadline for nominating a person, place, or project that was anything to do with preserving any type of Attleboro history, the deadline is March 1st. You can call me or... um, mail something to the city hall to me or uh you know get in touch with me one way or another um and and just let us know about a project that you think might preserve Attleboro's history and that way we can recognize them and in that way maybe inspire others to do the same thing absolutely and how often or when does the commission meet and is that open to the public uh, as long as uh, as long as the society too what days do they typically um, have meetings generally speaking 
But because of holidays, it, sometimes it gets changed. But the commission meets uh, the second Monday of every month, September till through June. And um, anybody can come to those meetings. They're posted at City Hall on the front window, and uh, they're open to the public. Uh, the society meetings are usually the third Thursday, I think it is, of um, the months from September to June. The June used to be the house tour, so there wasn't a meeting then. But um, And, and uh, you can come to those meetings. They're, like I said, open to the public, or you can join and help support the society in that way. Or, or like I said, make a nomination for this. Yeah, and, and for location-wise, uh, the, where the, the library is where the commission meetings are held okay. on the fourth floor of the library, and the society meetings are always held at the industrial museum unless they're on the road with whatever they're going to have for a program. Gotcha. Alrighty, um, I mentioned it uh, earlier too off uh, air is that uh, it, became, it became like a little thing of the show. This is a question that I, I've always liked to ask. Uh, kind of if, if I start a new job, I kind of talk with the employees and you start talking about these things but uh, so I part of the show at the end we always ask our guests if if you could talk to anyone from history and mm -hmm. ask them one question uh, who would you want to talk to and what would you want to ask them so I'll present that question okay. to you <laughs> well I hadn't really thought about this before but I think that probably we've just been talking about him anyway Banfield Capron he was the one that lived in my house he was the first Capron to come to America and I'd like to like him uh, like to ask him what it was like to live in day in my house back in the 1740s when he lived there. Absolutely. I think that would be very interesting to hear. Probably a lot different than the way I live there now, but um, <laughs> in some ways, maybe not so different. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All righty, so we, uh, do you have any um, kind of like last closing remarks before we uh, kind of end the, our segment? Um, I'm just happy to see that one of AHS's graduates is doing so well. <laughs> thank you. Thank I, you. I can remember feeding you. Yeah, every so uh, good luck at the football game and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in my, my little cookies and my iced tea. I was a big iced tea guy, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good stuff. So I want to thank you again for coming in today. It was really uh, thank you for a having pleasure. Me. My pleasure.